0: Hey guys and welcome to a brand new episode of trade talks I go about as Medici FX and this is the 18th episode it's been a while since I posted one I've been doing some things in the back however I've got a brand new guest on the show her name is L or other way known as QWERTYLFX on Instagram and YouTube I'll definitely link everything into the description so you can check her out I'm super excited for this episode because a brand new guest means brand new story, brand new knowledge, some things we could talk about and share with you guys. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the podcast and I'll see you there. Enjoy. Hey guys, so we're here with the live podcast. I'm here joined with QWERTY otherwise uh, other way known as L. So you might have known her from Instagram. Uh, I, this is my first time meeting her. So it's a huge pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Welcome.
1: Hey Stefan, thanks for inviting me on.
0: Yes, my pleasure. How have you been?
1: I've been okay. Yourself?
0: Uh, I've been great. Thank you very much. Uh, how was uh, July and June for you, trading-wise? Oh,
1: June was really good. July has been honestly quite slow. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean it's part and parcel of trading, right? You got ups and downs.
0: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Agree. I think also the summer liquidity kicking in right now, you know, um, more sitting on the hands and just waiting for the place to come out.
1: Yeah. I think the European traders are probably on their summer holidays.
0: Exactly. So most of them are out of office and enjoying the good weather. Well, good weather is debatable, but they're out of office.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, as this uh, podcast, there's this little tradition. I ask traders kind of, How they started and everything and how they got to where they are right now but before I ask you that I actually want to ask you when you were growing up uh, did you ever think you're gonna end up in a field like this or doing something for yourself like realizing that there's more in this world than only working for someone and obeying someone's orders but also being able to discipline yourself to actually get there and work for yourself
1: Wow, to be honest, no, because I mean I'm Asian, right? so <laughs> okay. the Asian culture has always been go to school, get your degree, find a good job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: quote unquote good job, and yeah. then just yeah work for someone. so when I first started trading, um I honestly had a lot of kickback from my parents mm-hmm. so yeah that was that was quite a struggle when I first went full time not it was semi by choice, I would say, mm-hmm. so yeah, when I first started trading, hmm. I think when I when I was young, honestly, I never really knew what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. To be very honest, like you know, some kids they are young they're like, oh, I want to grow up and be a doctor, blah blah blah. Yeah. I never had a specific career in mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and did you go and uh, follow a traditional uh, path of uh, educational system because you didn't know, or what did you do?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So. Like with almost every Singaporean out there, right? Our traditional path is always go to school, get your university degree, get a job. Full stop.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, same here, I would say. And what was your bachelor's, I suppose?
1: Yeah, I did a bachelor's in accounting first, and then I moved on to marketing.
0: Marketing, okay. And uh, to what extent do you think it's applicable to what you do right now? (laughs)
1: Honestly, zero (laughs) Honestly Yeah, I mean The marketing aspect Maybe a little Because now I'm like Running my own So-called business Mm -hmm. So all the marketing Is done by Yours truly I'm a one-man show Um, I guide other traders I do my own business I do Like my own Teaching My own Social media marketing Everything is just done On my own
0: Wow Good for you Okay And, And you didn't proceed To do any masters It was only bachelors
1: nah i'm not the studying kind to be honest
0: okay nah, i uh, i can relate to that and where along in your path did you get introduced to forex where did it all start for you
1: i think because i graduated um and i went into the finance industry the moment i graduated right so my first job was actually in a stock brokerage firm in singapore so okay. at that point in time um i was exposed to the singapore stock market and I saw how manipulated it was because literally I was collecting checks from brokers and their customers doing large amounts and then you can just see the movements in the market mm-hmm. intraday and intraweek. So well, then after that, I went on to move into my second job at Citibank. Mm-hmm. So that was when I first formally got introduced to the forex market through like one of my colleagues at that point in time. And yeah, I think that's like seven to eight years ago when I first started trading.
0: Mm, okay so it's been a journey since then i suppose
1: 100 (laughs) percent,
0: it's ups and downs 100 yeah i agree and what made you persistent in continuing this journey because i suppose there were a lot of pitfalls and you know obstacles in your way
1: yeah um i think there were a lot of large losses that i took also as with every trader when they first start out yeah um but i think what kept me going because seven to eight years is really a long time yeah. um, working and trading at the same time so for me I think what kept me going was the fact that I could see growth in myself in terms of having an understanding of the markets and just the feedback loop I feel in forex trading is quite fast if you're right you're right and you'll get paid off from there mm-hmm. if you're wrong you'll get punished <laughs> and yeah. it's quite quick like you can have a, your answer within the week within the day mm-hmm. Or even a few hours or just a few minutes in just one sweep of a candle. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's what really kept me still trading until this day. Right.
0: Okay. And how long did it take you before you became self-sufficient, you know, as a full-time trader? Um, I would say
1: ever since I had to leave my job last year. Yeah. Um, so, I wanted to leave last year in December, mm-hmm. but my plans got brought forward to January mm-hmm. and yeah from then on I've I've just been doing everything on my own. Okay. Saving up during my working years and then just yeah trading my own capital. And then recently this year I just I just went full prop.
0: Yeah. Yeah yep. but that's that's a great opportunity for people, you know, not even the ones who have saved up capital to leverage mm-hmm. on that. But I, I yep. believe that those prop firms, some of them They have really high requirements and that also drops off a lot of uh, traders as it's a really demanding kind of challenge. So how did you get you know prepared for that or can you maybe explain which funding uh, challenge you're doing and you know how you got about to getting funded with them?
1: I think for me when I first started trading there was no such thing as prop accounts (laughs) nothing so everything was my own money in my own live trading account um then, after that, when I went full time last year, I was still trading my own funds um obviously, it got a bit more difficult because there is the stress when you are kind of quote unquote jobless and you don't have a stable income coming in every month, mm. and then you start to see like, oh, my trading account is dwindling, <laughs> it's getting <laughs> lesser, and then you get the stress and then blah blah blah, all the other
0: yeah
1: like just the whole stress doesn't help with trading, basically, yeah, yeah. so. Once, there were a couple of people talking to me about prop, But initially, I was really hesitant joining in because to me, I was of the notion that if I trade my own funds, I have full flexibility, no limitation as to how I want to trade it, right? Mm-hmm. But after a while, once I gained a bit of consistency from my own trading since I went full-time, then I realized that, hey, there's a different perspective to this. How about looking at it from a capital management perspective? Mm-hmm. Because the ideal... Situation with the propes, you use a small amount of capital to get a large amount of trading capital, right? Mm. So as long as you can perform within their parameters, you should be able to do fine.
0: yeah so you applied kind of more a hedge fund strategy instead of like yeah, an I would say so. yeah
1: yeah, I would say so because when I was at the banks. I mean, I was selling funds and stuff like that. So, I kind of understood how mutual funds and hedge funds were doing their business because we had to get educated on that as well. So, I was thinking if they can do something like that, what's stopping me from doing it? So, Smart. yeah, I think that's how it... Yeah, so that's how it drew me into looking at the prop firms. So, when I first started, FTMO was the biggest one. Yeah. So, obviously, I went with them first. <laughs> yeah. Then I had also heard of like funding talent and like... um. At that point in time, I think these were the two major companies I heard of. So, I went with FTMO first. It was the very first challenge I did. Obviously, I blew it. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wasn't very sure the stress of the trading parameters. I wasn't ready for it at all. So, it's I can really be very upfront and challenge. say I blew it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But um, and the, and at that point in time, I was dealing with quite a bit of stuff because... I think i put too much on myself at that point in time because i was going full-time for the first time yeah so that has its own level of stress second thing i dumped myself into something that i've never tried before
0: yeah
1: um then the third one was i think at that point in time my strategy wasn't very refined so my rr was just barely scraping by their uh, trading yeah. requirements yeah. so that was very tough yeah so right now Ever since I sorted everything out, um, I'm funded with Funding Talent now and I'm currently trying to max out on their challenges for 300K. Yeah,
0: wow, good for you. That's really interesting how you took that aspect of uh, that hedge fund fund kind of mentality where capital preservation is key. I think many people overlook that and look at more of the scenario of like, I need to make more money instead of I need to preserve my capital. Exactly, yeah.
1: People always go into the prop challenges thinking that oh I'm going to make way more money than I could have made on my own trading account and yeah. I think that's the wrong mindset going into it the first thing about trading is always protect your capital yeah, and to keep your losses as small as possible right? that's like the number one rule we always learn however many traders I think it's innate in the human nature that greed is just a part of us so yeah. they always see the outcome yeah. rather than all the, ugl- the ugly quote unquote yeah. ugly sides of trading like Oh, the hard work of managing your capital and just managing your risk.
0: Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. And then also they're looking for a lot of confirmation bias on their trades. When they're going negative, they try to revenge trade to get that capital kind of back. And they're there, and yep. that's where they lose that uh, notion of preserving their capital because with their um, instinctual brains, they're just going at it. They're trying to find certainty in an uncertain market, and that's where it goes wrong. Yep. For, yep. For, for exactly. Them. Yeah. What do you think your biggest pitfall was getting to where you are right now?
1: I rushed things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Like I said, when I went full time, I loaded on too many things and I tried to get too many things done at once. And that was when things just went south for a bit. Um, Then I took a small break from everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I was part of a community at that point in time. I dropped off for a bit, just went off on my own, Mm -hmm. sorted out my stuff, got everything, just got my my mind right. And then, yeah, then I came back into trading again.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I think being on your own uh, clears up a lot of things because you have the less noise uh, yep. from other people, just like on charts. You know, you don't want the noise from the small weird candles. You just want the bigger time frame <laughs> sometimes. I think yeah, same in life. It's just when you isolate yourself, you understand what's going on more clearer uh let's jump into your trading itself i'm interested what is your trading style and what's your background like are you institutional or what do you look out for on charts because i've never seen you chart or so super interesting to know
1: i i suppose if you really need me to classify myself i would have to say that i'm more towards this institutional kind of trading style Mm -hmm. um but then again we're all retail after all yep. because no one has the funds that the banks have. Yep. Um, but ideally, I do trade in the footsteps of the banks. Um, I have reached a point where I understood why market structure forms the way it does and price action does what it does. So I'm more, I would say, I'm a supply and demand trader. You have many names for it. Just to be honest, I think it's just all marketing, but essentially, <laughs> it's the same fundamental thing. Yeah. yeah, but I trade supply and demand um, and with just price action confirmations, that's it zero indicators
0: mm-hmm. and do you have a mechanical approach to this
1: um when you say mechanical what
0: exactly do you mean well in a mechanical approach where you have the set plan where you have the set of rules which have to get checked before you get into a trade because you know with supply and demand one zone has to be uh for example verified by several things in order for it to be a valid zone mm. so in what yeah. do you apply that
1: oh yes definitely i'm a i'm a strict proponent of that so like in my mentorship itself um i am very anal about it Mm -hmm. if yeah to the extent that if i do have a trading checklist um and a grading system for my trades as well as a validation checklist for the zones that i put up on my charts so it has to meet both criteria before i actually execute a trade if there's something missing in it then either i size down or i just don't take the trade
0: Right. so it, it, yeah,
1: it's like how a pilot has a checklist before they fly right I have yeah. the same
0: thing good analogy I like that <laughs> do you uh, look at lower time frames a lot or higher time frames what's your kind of lookout
1: um I trade off the I'm more of an intraday slash swing trader mm-hmm. so I enter intraday try to hold them up for swings if if price allows me to um, most of my trades I enter them. Fifteen minute, one hour, or four hour.
0: Yeah.
1: And then yeah, I try not to go into the lower time frames, like you say. The lower time frame has a lot of noise.
0: Yeah. So. Exactly. But then, if you're a swing or an intraday trader, I must believe you are really following fundamentals for it to support your moves.
1: Oh, you'll be quite surprised with my answer. Actually, I, I kind of know. I will look at the calendar to see if there are fundamental news coming up. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, in my entire duration of trading, right, I don't care much for it. (laughs) I don't really bother like, oh, if the NFP is going to come out with X result, what is it going to do to my trade? I don't really bother because I'm a believer that price would already be priced in. And the the technical analysis will give you your answers. So I try not to drown myself in the news.
0: Yeah, a lot of the times it is priced in. I do agree with you. However, right. you know, sometimes on swings, it is better to know if, for example, JPY is weak or strong. You know, if we've got COVID cases running on hmm. JPY with, for example, the Olympics, and let's say it's yeah. going south and, you know, yep. we're trying to uh, buy GJ, it would be better for us, for example. that Those kind yeah, of things. Yeah.
1: yeah. But like for me, when I say that I'm a swing trader, I think it's more, I just look at it simply as I just hold my trades longer.
0: Mm-hmm
1: go from one swing to the other. That's, that's about it. But I know that as a, the true definition of a swing trader has all these fundamental aspects to it. But I can be honest and tell you, I, I really don't look at it. I don't want to introduce more information that I need
0: to okay. execute my trade. I mean, yeah, keeping it simple. Yeah, no, I respect yes. that. If it yeah. works for you, that's, <laughs> that's amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. What's your uh, RRs normally on trades? Mm,
1: I've been averaging about five to six R okay. on my on my intraday trades. Yeah. Wow.
0: Wow, that's really
1: nice. Yeah. It's not the best, obviously. There are people trading my kind of strategy, doing like double digits and stuff like that. But more importantly, it's what you I believe it's what I can deliver consistently. Yeah. So if someone can do like hundred R, thirty R, forty R, okay fine, that's their ball game. But so far what I've been able to deliver consistently has been about five to six.
0: Yeah, I believe consistency goes uh, much further than a one-time 100-hour trade.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't want my trading curve to be like a roller coaster. I rather <laughs> use like gradual incline.
0: Exactly. No, and that's far more respectable for even if you're trying to build a track record. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, far cleaner to see that kind of track record than a 100-hour trade, and then you lose like 50 R, <laughs> and then hey, another 20 uh, R, in the plus, you know. Okay. Yeah have you gone through many more like strategies to get where you are right now how did that path kind of because many people are lost you know and i have people on this podcast who are refining their strategies for years and it took me i think two years to actually understand what i really want from from a strategy because i went from scalping to kind of intraday to swinging and it only mm-hmm. now starting to get a little clearer for me what i want so how is it for you how did you get about to understand what you want and which strategies you've
1: tried out, kind of? I think... Um, as... When we first start, right? You mm. see uh, all tons of strategies online. Bollinger yeah. Bands. MA <laughs> LA Crossovers. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Whatever you name, I've probably tried it before. Yeah. Um, but I would say I've always gravitated back to price action trading and just naked charts in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been through the indicator strategy. So like I said, before I quit the industry completely right um i mean my my work industry yeah um i i was trading an indicator strategy to Mm -hmm. be honest it was i traded it for three years i was never profitable so i had a whole bunch of like pairs that i was looking at 24 to be exact every (sighs) single day it was a day trading strategy we were only executing like one or two trades in like a week for wow. a day trading strategy, trading 24 pairs with <laughs> indicators that's like, oh my God, that's too slow, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So after that, I just went back to my roots and then I just went, yeah, I just went back to my
0: naked charts. And when you were looking at those 24 pairs, did you look in correlation? Uh, did you look at the correlation between pairs or was it just every pair for themselves kind of?
1: Um, I did look at the slight correlation, but it was more towards like every pair for themselves. Yeah because uh, after yeah. all the the entry criteria was just if my indicators do
0: something that's my entry. <laughs> I see so many courses right now online providing those kind of strategies where they have a 14 EMA crossing a 28 SMA and then they sell. Oh. And yeah, the baffling part is, you know, sometimes it just works for a month or 3 and they're all chuffed up sitting there mm. making like 70 pips and I'm like how, you know, like Okay, it works, but damn, you know, long term, it's not going to work out, but, you know, let them have their little moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think if you've been in industry long enough, right, you'll know the expectancy of a certain strategy. Mm. So I I believe that, honestly, every strategy works, but Mm -hmm. people don't stick with them long enough.
0: Yeah, There's there's a book, it's called The Way of the Turtle. And they talk about that creating the edge, and the problem is, is that you know they even talk about in the book that they can give a 90% uh, working strategy to somebody, but they'll mm. still be able to mess it up simply because they're not really following the rules consistently, and not just going with it. And I believe that's what yeah. many people have. They work for on a strategy for six months, and then they see, let's say, two or three failing weeks, and then they're like, okay, time mm. for a new strategy.
1: Yeah, or they try to finesse the strategy and then add extra things that were never in the strategy and then they wonder why it doesn't
0: work. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And then they start combining strategies and then they're like, yo, I got the new sauce, I got the new magic key. And then you're <laughs> sitting there like, nah, you're, it's not going to work out. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So your tip, I would say, is then to stick to it and figure out like to stay consistent with it or like for yeah, a strategy I for would work? Say
1: yeah, I would say pick one strategy. Mm-hmm. Give yourself six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that is nothing. Mm-hmm. If you can achieve a degree of consistency from there, right? Mm-hmm. You know you have found your so-called secret sauce because <laughs> there is such a thing as a good strategy but yeah. it has to be accompanied with a trader's edge. Yeah. That is what will ultimately lead to your so-called profitability in the
0: long run. Mm-hmm. Right okay yeah no that's true that's interesting um more on the emotional side of things uh you know i would say that trading is 80 percent emotions based psychology and uh, before when i started this whole podcast this was actually called a psychology talks or something along like those lines because i really wanted to focus on the psychological aspects where people go wrong yeah so i would want to ask you how did you cope with emotions when you started with trading? And how hard was it for you? Hmm.
1: When I, let's see, when I first started trading, hmm. it was just gambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, everyone's been through that. You see the winds coming so fast and then you're like, oh, wow, that's so much money. I've never seen before. Yeah. Um. So you, you feel like a God at that point in time. And, and you always win in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. yeah. Always. And then after you hit your string of losses, you're like, oh no, I'm not gone anymore. What's happening? My account is disappearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, then after that, um, so that was the first part. When I realized that, right, my first step was, because at that point in time, I had no education. Mm. I was just trading on my, because I was working in the banks, so we had like traders themselves who would come up, come on to give us like daily updates on the market. So I was basically trading their views. Okay. So I was lucky with that. To a certain extent um, But after a while I realized that hmm, They they need to hold Their trades longer And I don't
0: oh. So
1: I found that Okay there's a gap there Because I don't hold My trades as long As a bank does
0: Yeah,
1: Not even for their own clients uh, Because they were trading In like windows of like A week to like A few months ago, yeah. And I'm not going to hold My trades for so long I know that's not my style That doesn't fit my personality So that's when I went To find like um, Some sort of Trading education And I went into A whole rabbit hole of causes yeah so um that after a while during the entire duration i think journaling has helped me a lot in managing my psychology Mm -hmm. in terms of identifying like my trigger points and what gets me excited or down in the markets. so that has been very important and like crucial into me being so-called calm Mm -hmm. on the markets right now
0: yeah because everything is documented on paper and then you can like look at it and your mind is kind of empty as well because you've documented it all right and that must have helped you essentially with dealing with the losses and the wins uh both ways right yeah
1: because i already recorded my expectancy Mm
0: -hmm. so if
1: it lies within my range then it's just part of trading probabilities right but if something hits outside of that range then i know okay there's something wrong here i just got to just maybe either take a step back take a break for a bit like and then come back again
0: yeah exactly That's, yeah, no, that's well. And how do you deal with losses then? Or do you have any set rules on losses? Like if you make two or three losses or a loss, like what do you do?
1: Yeah, so daily, um, I think once you've been trading for a while, right, you generally have a feel for the markets. Mm -hmm. Um, There are days when I come onto the charts, I'm like, oh my God, the chart looks ugly. (laughs) So first thing is, if it looks ugly and it looks like almost untradeable for that day right just mm-hmm. go off for the day to be honest you don't have to trade every single day yeah. and that's like one way I try to stem my losses as well because if you don't trade a lousy trading day like for example Mondays sometimes are quite slow to set up Yeah. so if you know that right then don't force anything on that day and you won't lose mm-hmm people always come in excited and then they want to take trades. Oh, like it's Monday. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And yeah. then after that, oops,
0: loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then their but whole yeah. week goes down the hill as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I really hate losing on Mondays. It affects my psychology like double mm-hmm. compared to the other days. Um, And then if let's say on a normal trading day, like the rest of the week, uh, usually if I take like two losses for the day, I, I just call it a day. Because mm-hmm. I know either there's something wrong with me that day I'm not seeing the markets the way I'm supposed to because we all have our off days, right? Um, Or secondly, it's just price is not giving me what I need to see. And then I just step
0: off. Yeah, no, fair. And I think back to Mondays, it's it's also a day where institutions are setting themselves up for the week. So there's a lot of trapping going on as well to get the retail out the picture so that they can position themselves for the liquidity grabs for the move into the yeah. counter direction for the whole weeks. And that's why many people also lose on Mondays, I would say. Yeah. So that's that's a key to kind of just uh, stay back a little and just and and look, look what's happening instead of jumping on. Yeah. And exactly. what, what about winning uh, winning streaks or how do you deal? with? Because essentially, you know, when you're winning in our subconscious mind, you're still like happy. So how do you make sure not to be too happy not to end up losing that capital?
1: Mm, for me, every week I do every week and every day actually, I do a review of my trades that I've done, right? Mm-hmm. and I really focus on the process rather than the outcome. okay so wins are like part and parcel of trading, so if you have a winning streak, you will have a losing streak. I'm very aware of that. so during the good runs, um I try my best to just protect my capital as much as I can. So I still continue executing as long as it meets my trading criteria. But I'm also aware that like some people will be in the mindset that, okay, I really took three trades today. Maybe I should step off the chart. Sometimes I am like that, whereby I want to kind of lock in my gains and not trade anymore, right? But sometimes the market just runs good that way. And then you just got to just catch onto the wave, I would say. Yeah. Um, but with every winning streak, yeah, just, just know that it won't last.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a so, statistical is it, game of statistical yes. game of probabilities. Like if you have winning, you'll have losing. If you have losing, you'll have winning, essentially.
1: Yes, exactly. So if you're up, it's, it's just like working a 9 to 5. You have times when, oh, year end, you have your bonus, right? So that's your winning streak. Yeah. And if you blow that amount, then essentially you're back at square one, right?
0: You can look at it like that. Yeah, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard someone say this. This is this, is, this is interesting. Nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm full of analogies. You'll find out in time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really interesting. That's really cool. Because uh, everybody has their own kind of way of looking at it. And it's super cool to see how people perceive the different things. Uh, yeah. From their own perspective. Super cool. Um, aside from trading, you know, more personal kind of life. Um, How do you, are you someone who's open with your environment or personal space? Are you someone who's really like um, closed and you're really picking the individuals in your field to make sure they fit the kind of virtues you're up for? Or kind of like that they have to be like driven, for example, or goal oriented or, you know, they're doing something which also motivates you. Or how do you choose people in your circle to get to where you are right now, I would say?
1: I think I've just like with trading, I've been really picky about mm-hmm. the circle. Mm-hmm. So I I've heard a saying I forgot from who, but we are like the best of the three closest people that we have.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I believe that it's it's important to surround yourself with people like you said of the right values of the right mindset. Yeah. So that you continue on the same path, which is why I, as you grow older, right, like your circle of friends just shrinks. Yeah. But. Yeah, this this group are the ones that, um, in a morbid way, they're going to be there <laughs> at your funeral when you die. And they, are, they have lived through all your life's ups and downs in a morbid
0: way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it, no, I mean, it is true, it's true. So yeah, so then I would say you also favor driven individuals around you to make sure you're also up and going kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah, so like for example, Um, With regards to my trading itself I'm very particular about the community that I'm in Mm -hmm. So Currently I've built like my own community And I'm really strict about who I let in Mm -hmm. So previously um, For those that know me I did have a live stream before Mm -hmm. I've since stopped it Because Yes I am aware that some people Do take it as a form of learning But there is more noise than benefits To holding the live streams Mm -hmm. So that was just my way of just Keeping Keeping the right people around me as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but do you still have contact with those people? who, For example, were there for the learning or did they also kind of fall off?
1: Yeah, those, obviously there were some that fell off. Mm-hmm. Um, the bulk of them fell off. Those that were there for like signals and stuff like that. The bulk of those people, those mm-hmm. kinds of people fell off, mm-hmm. which is The intent of why I went off the streams. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is those that really were interested to learn, they came onto the private community eventually, yeah,
0: yeah, because yeah. and even
1: that. during that, yeah, and even during that period of time, they were already, um, mm-hmm. they already had that intention to come onto the private community. It's just mm-hmm. that because the streams are on, they didn't see the, the push factor, I would say,
0: yeah. But
1: once I went private, then they were like, oh, that's great, now we have a quieter
0: yeah
1: better environment to trade together in
0: yeah true okay yeah that is true i mean i had a signal service running like the whole last year and we Mm. ran um i think most of the months were profitable and we had a community going but you know when it came to push and shove when we had that uh, chats and everything i think only like a quarter of the people joined into the chat community and i think only out of like 100 members that we had there were probably seven who were actually contributing charts and uh, now at this point i think i only talked to like four of those people who i met through the charting service so you know it's it's evident to see who's in there for the quick kind of moment and those who are actually learning for the longer run
1: yeah exactly that's also part of the reason why first so there were a couple of complaints that I had from like the public community where I was like shutting down all my public avenues to me huh. um i i also had like a chat service going on right um ah, right, in right. my discord i closed it off in like two days and then people were like oh why are you closing off more and more things like we, we don't have access to you anymore <laughs> and then i'm and then i'm i'm just saying you guys still have access to me I'm still on instagram every single day you see me posting every day yeah. so if you need me I'm there but
0: yeah. Other than that,
1: the Discord is just going to be for those people that really want, want my attention, need my help, mm-hmm. are of the right mindset to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: I'm going to focus my attention on them.
0: Yeah, of course, because those are the people who value you much more than if exactly. you're only pushing out the content for, you know, for someone to see and not even engage in it.
1: Yeah. But you know,
0: yeah. funnily enough, and what you just said, those people who are complaining that you're shutting everything off... If they actually had the right intentions, they wouldn't be complaining because they would have just found another way of getting around to you. You know, there's a million ways to get somewhere and get something done. It's just a matter of mindset.
1: Yeah. And whether you want it bad enough.
0: Exactly. So, you know, if now they're already giving this kind of attitude, it just shows, you know, they won't make it. and. You know, maybe not now, maybe later they would understand you could never judge a person. But at this mm. particular moment, it's not their time and better off, you know, better to save your time and better to save their time and their losses and all their negative emotions.
1: Yeah, 100 yeah, percent.
0: Get rid of the toxicity. I would say. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. You know, but actually about toxicity, it's an interesting one because uh, all these fake gurus, for example, on Instagram or any guru these days because there's a lot of them and everybody's trying to teach you how to be the correct person or like all these like uh, Grant Cardone and all those people how to make millions or how to be the mm. best you and <laughs> all these books you know that they make you yeah. read I think that's also toxic in a way because they're like yeah you need to remove toxic people out your life you know like if your if your mother or father isn't work aren't working hard like you and aren't reading 50 books a year you should cut <laughs> them off you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's all fun and games, but the sad truth is that a lot of young uh, generation is actually falling in that trap. And yep. uh, I want, you know, uh, lie. I actually had that kind of issue as well for a couple of months where I was like, you know, if no one around me is uh, working as hard as, for example, as I am, you know, they have to be cut off. And that's also like a lie, I believe, in some sense, because you should have a balance with the people around you, but. Yes not so point where like you should cut everyone off because they're not reading 50 books a year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone has like different goals, right? You got to understand that. So like you said, balance is key. I think the hustle culture is...
0: It's overrated, Uh, I think.
1: Yes, it's overrated. It's it can be toxic if you take it too far. Yeah. So like, for example, Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, they are very successful people.
0: Yeah,
1: I I cannot deny that. Their hustle, is is ah uh, is on a whole different good level. But yes, yes, <laughs> but I mean you gotta think for yourself. Like, what are you hustling for, and why are you doing it? I think that's key. Because exactly. they know their why. Of Do course. you know your why? Yeah. If you don't, and you're following their why, you're gonna burn out sooner or later. Which is why burnout is just another common phrase that we hear nowadays as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that's it. Like you said, you're following their why, and their why is to get you on their platform so they can grow further there in their, you know, endeavors and whatever they have set out for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, also really interesting talk I have with a lot of people uh, in my life is like, do you read books? And I have some people who are like, I've read, for example, 12 books in a year and some people are like, I have read two books. But funnily enough, there's people, for example, who read one book in a year, but they would apply far more from that one book than those who read like 20. And, yes. you know, it w- they would be much better off. So in that regard, also, you know, like you said, think for yourself. Like, if you're reading that many books, like, why? You know, what are you applying? Yeah. And is it, is it just for the flex for the Instagram? Or is it actually for yeah. your own benefit?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I, when I was into that whole hustle culture thing, I was like... Because they always preach the read X number of books yeah, in yeah, a month yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Then after a while, I was like, man... I'm struggling to finish my books, <laughs> and at the end of the day, I realized, I was like, "What did I read? <laughs> like, yeah, I can't even remember yeah. what I just read." And yeah. then, yeah, was, after a while, I was just like, "Nah, this is not for me." I'll no, read exactly. what interests me, That's number it. one, Mm-mm. and what I think will help me.
0: <clears throat> so it. we
1: have we have got like so many other ways of reading right now. Yeah, just pick out the main points. Yeah, honestly. All productivity books and whatever mindset books that you have, to be very honest, they all say the same thing. Yeah. You need to read 10? No. <laughs> no,
0: no. You read one, you make good notes, and then you can replicate <laughs> Exactly. The other ones. You know, you yeah. could rather read a uh, different kind of literature about different kind of things to add dots in between um, yeah. between the books. For example, I read um, a book, which is tiny. It's, I think, 50 pages. It's called The Anatomy of the State just now. I just finished it. Mm and uh, it talks about how the state uh so any state or government has been in Mm. control for the last centuries and how they use different kind of uh, illusions or different kinds of uh, words or images to persuade the people into believing what they want them to believe and you know i don't need to read for example like a book on how to be a millionaire, for example. No, I'd rather read mm-hmm. a book like that and understand what governments do and how they use the power. And then yeah. maybe apply that kind of those kind of uh, tricks into my own, for example, business. And that would work mm-hmm. far more than reading a book where they're gonna tell me, yeah, I need to stay up till uh, 3 a.m. and uh, work <laughs> harder on my Google Doc, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. think a little bit outside the box to apply different kind of knowledge. Yes, I think. at the
1: end of the day, knowledge is everywhere. Yeah. But do you need to absorb everything
0: you can and you shouldn't? Exactly. I've uh, also listened to a lot of podcasts, for example, and there was a really interesting individual who ran a uh, multimillion dollar business. And he said the reason he actually succeeded in his business is because he managed to find the 1% of correct information, which led to Mm. correct knowledge, which led to him succeeding in the business. So that's the key. You need to find the correct kind of bits of information and stick them together.
1: Yep. Exactly, it, well, to with to that point, right? Yeah. I'll be very honest with you. Like a couple of like people in my community, um, I mean my social media community, they are always asking me like, "What trading books do you recommend?" Yeah, I'll yeah. be very honest and say
0: none. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs>
1: you know how people always like to to say, "Oh, you should read Trading in the Zone." That's like the number one bible. So so. Well, so I've cop, read it right? a couple of
0: times, but okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm of the view like, books can be outdated. Mm-hmm. Because now we're moving in like such a fast-paced world
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yes, some of the things that they talk about fundamentally are correct But you got to keep yourself like updated with the times as well And if like anyone who's asking me, right The books that I'm recommending, they are not even trading related yeah. They're more like psychology related
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah Because yeah, I think it because those are the dots you can connect to apply to trading Exactly, yeah exactly yeah and i think also on the topic of hard work and hustle culture it's it's cool to work hard but working smart gets you far way further than working oh, hard nice. you know like all these corny uh, instagram quotes like if if you were if uh, all constructions are working hard uh, if all the construction workers are working hard why are they not millionaires you know what i mean yeah that kind of mentality but in reality it's just working really smart. You can work two hours a day and be much further than someone who works 10 hours a day.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's just how do you make the best use of the limited time that you have?
0: That's it. You know, like uh, we can say crypto as an example. Also, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's It's really everybody's on crypto, but I'll take this a little further. Like in 2020, when the whole market crash happened, when oil futures were trading negative, for example, I'm pretty sure you may remember that. Yeah. Uh, in that time, uh, what happened to the crypto market it actually dipped? But I did not hear anyone talking about the market, but people who are smart and uh, people who do their research and they're looking for the right information, they did the research then and they understood that if this collapse goes, if this collapse like happens, there has to be a recovery. Hence, mm. investing at that point in time would would have been the biggest discount on anything you could have bought and it would have brought you much further than buying on the tops in let's say march 2021 when (laughs) everybody's on it yes yes there's your difference between working hard and smart because the people worked hard to flip their coin two or three times when the bull run was happening but no one worked Hmm. smart to flip it a hundred times last year when they could have bought it at a way cheaper price for example
1: yep and and you know what that and i think my Opin- my opinion about that and why that is is mm. just fear mm-hmm. like if you see the thing just taking a mm-hmm. huge tumble down right mm-hmm. the first thing is like oh my god it's gonna go lower yeah, and that's just natural yeah. human behaviour right but then again you look at the likes of like Warren Buffett where's he always buying Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's always buying when people are fearful and then yeah. who's and how rich is he now yeah. so there are very few people that trade like him yeah. I wouldn't even say trade he doesn't even trade no <laughs> but he really like, invests yeah yeah so but the key thing is what he has that a lot of us do not have and strive to have is patience
0: that's it that's yeah it's really just patience it's patience and a bit of critical thinking yes exactly if you're in any stocks or in any crypto or even at the forex market if you can take a moment and look at how price reacts and how price works you know that when a price is really, really low, it has to go back up. And when it's hmm. really, really high, it has to go back down. So all this FUD, even around Bitcoin, about their, yeah. about 60 grand. And people are like, yes, it's so cheap. And it's going to go to 500 grand. And I look at them with oh like an awe. And I'm like, guys, the last 20,000, <laughs> like you're up three yeah. times from last highs. Like where? this thing
1: is coming down. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: going to tumble hard. And what are you guys even waiting for? Like, but you know, and that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Trying to look for certainty again in an uncertain market because we have yeah. all these biases in our head. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: and there's also a group thing, right? I think then yes. the recent rush on Bitcoin was and all the cryptos is just basically everybody just hyping each other up, and then yeah. they all just bought into it. And then yeah. next thing, you always know, like if someone is buying, someone has to sell.
0: A zero sum game. Yes, absolutely, exactly. and and. Uh, when everybody on crypto Twitter, for example, is buying, what do you think the institutions are doing? They're loading up their bags to start liquidating their <laughs> positions. Yeah. And what happens then? And that's when all the retail just gets absolutely smashed.
1: Yes, yes,
0: exactly. So, so all in all, can we conclude that trading is a somewhat solo game or would you still condone to some extent um, the group work in FX?
1: nah i honestly think it's more of a solo game which is also why like like what you spoke about about courses and stuff like that right mm-hmm. like i don't have a course mm-hmm. i will i've said it before that i'll never launch a course because okay. there's so many courses out there yeah why do you need another course yeah. yeah um but what's missing in the industry that i've found is there hasn't been someone there mm-hmm. um for new traders or experienced traders to just guide you through your process mm-hmm. because you can learn from a textbook. It's mm-hmm. the same thing as learning from a course mm-hmm. but you don't get the feedback that you need which is why you are just phasing out
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you hit losses after losses and blown accounts after account. So yeah, that's that's partially why like I I, I know there are good courses out there yeah. but the gap is always the feedback loop. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like you said, I still think trading is quite a lonely game, sad to say. But it is the way it is, so that you can remove all the excess noise.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's not made for individuals who can't bear to live alone with themselves and their own thoughts. Yeah. It exposes you to a lot of your own fears, and I think that's why traders are all-rounded individuals in the aspect of they're not uh, not scared to be alone, and they're really strong Mm. individuals.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's you know, it, it's it's evident because it's it's one of the hardest jobs out there. Not maybe not physically, but mentally. Yeah. One hundred percent.
1: Yeah, you're in your men your own you're in your own thoughts most of the time and you're just fighting your own demons
0: most of the time. Exactly. And I think and I don't need to think, I know that a lot of people, most of the people on this planet are really scared to fight their own thoughts and that's where mm. they dig down into, for example, cheap entertainment and quick gratification to yes. to kind of fade away from them so that, you know, the next day comes and then they can just do their schoolwork or something and then they fade back into the instant gratification loop, you know, yeah. for yeah. most of their life. Yeah.
1: It's the same thing with forex trading, right? That's why people promoting big wins on their accounts yeah. and then flashing all the cars and stuff like yeah. that. That sells. of course it sells sells.
0: it's 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 (laughs) in it in our nature that we like flashy things and we like glamour and we like all these cool things and lifestyles which you know are overly exaggerated for most of those people
1: yeah yeah the true rich people don't have to flex
0: the true rich people exactly (laughs) they're they're really low-key on the instagram really low-key yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: um, so how does your daily like environment or routines look like do you lead a really calm uh, schedule and with like meditation or something or do you lead a really busy schedule because you have a lot going on on your plate how does that work for you i think it's
1: meditation <laughs> i've tried it a couple of times mm-hmm. um it's been tough mm-hmm. because like i kind of have ADHD, so it's really hard to keep still. Right. <laughs> so like um, I think for me, I'm I'm blessed to be in Asia. So okay. I have like all three trading sessions available for me to trade. Oh. But I make it a point to stay off the Asian session. So that's mm-hmm. when I do like my daily analysis to set up for the London and the New York session. Yeah. Um I I don't take trades then, even though it looks really yummy to take a trade, nah, I don't. <laughs> but um after that. Once I've done the daily analysis Which I post to like My social media mm-hmm. um, After that I just Take a short break mm-hmm. And then I hop on some Mentorship calls With the gang And then Yeah I just hold my life room uh, London to New York okay. So that's basically My routine for the day mm-hmm. So I I would say It's quite packed mm-hmm. um, But it's Packed with things that I know will drive me further right. So I've removed like like last time when I was like younger, right? Like there'll be times at night where I'll be like, oh now nah, I'm going out for drinks and stuff like that. Now I'll just call off my trading for the day and, and stuff like that. But now I think it's more like, I treat it as a business. Yeah. You don't take like an MC when you don't feel like, you can take an MC when you don't feel like working. But if you do that on trading long enough, you're not going to grow your account.
0: hundred percent. And you get out of tune of what's happening around you as well, I believe.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's that's exactly true. So like for me, um, sometimes I do take breaks, but I don't take them for very long.
0: Okay.
1: And when I'm on my breaks, um, I try to go completely off the charts because sometimes I feel like I need a fresh perspective into the markets. Mm-hmm. So that's when I take like maybe uh, the max I'll give myself like a month. Right.
0: Um,
1: the longest I've taken was like three months after like. I took like a very very big loss with my previous um community, and then I just took three months because I was just so shaken up by the fact that oh my god I lost that much money.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, but I was not in the right mental state at that point in time, and it took me that really big amount um to just wake me up, and mm-hmm. then just really dig back into my education again.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you take these yeah. breaks uh, often or not? Like let's say like, not not maybe not a month, but something smaller do you take breaks often or do you like to keep it consistent with trying to stay on charts as much as possible well in, in let's say in uh, how can I say this like um, being alert of what's happening in the market fundamentally even wiser you know like that
1: oh I definitely still stay in touch with like what's happening on a daily basis but okay. whether or not like the, I'll still during my breaks Um, the longer breaks like the monthly ones yeah. I'll I will not really come into the charts very often But I do still roughly have a look at like Oh, is the general direction still going the way Like I anticipated and stuff like that okay. But as for like really doing really in-depth analysis To like find setups and stuff like that During those monthly breaks, I don't mm-hmm. But I don't really take them for very long um, yeah. The only times I do that, right Is when I hit a really bad losing streak Mm-hmm. So like if you have seen on my YouTube page That like I took a break early this year mm-hmm. Because there was just too much going on On my plate So I had the streams going on I had like my mentorship going on I had like my training performance Just hitting the drain at that point in time yeah. So I had to just clean up everything first So that's when I really took uh, I think it was almost like two months I think wow, Where I just okay. went off everything yeah. yeah But now I've learned um but during the entire period of time, like, yes, I was still on the charts looking at stuff. But I was looking at it more from an educational perspective. Like, okay, I went wrong. Mm-hmm. How did I go wrong? Why did I go wrong? Yeah. And then I just slowly refined my strategy. And I would say that ever since that point in time, I think even my own followers have seen like the immense growth that I have done since that break. Yeah. And I, And it's funny to say like, Every time I do a break, right, I come back and then it's like, whoa, what the hell happened to L? <laughs> it's like
0: much better in a sense.
1: <laughs> yes, much better. But back to your question, um, obviously I try not to take these breaks too often because when I come back, I am a bit rusty. Uh-huh. Like I take a while to come back to like my original self. But um so what I do on a daily basis, because I'm more like a I'm more of a day trader, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just set alerts at my zones. Yeah. And if I see that price is just ranging and doing nothing. I'll just go off the charts for a bit. Yeah. And then I'll just maybe get an exercise in or just go do something else with like my family or like my friends for that period of time. And then I'll just come back the next session. Right. I yeah. Think... So there are small breaks in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think many people, um, when they think of going full-time in Forex, means they have to sit 24-7 behind the charts. And that burns a lot of people down. Mm. Um, because I believe, I don't know, when you started full-time, did you have an issue of spending too much time on charts, for example? Oh,
1: yes, definitely. Because I felt like if I wasn't there, I'm going to miss something.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you're kind of in your own control of your own money because you need to make money consistently, kind yes. of. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: And how did you go about fixing that to calm yourself down, not to have that anxiety anymore, out call, for example?
1: I think the first thing is... You, a lot of people who want to trade full time, right? The main reason is they want to leave their nine to five, right? Mm. So, if they're going to spend more time on the charts than their nine to five hours, (laughs) then that's really ironic. So, (laughs) that was like the first thought that I had, and I was like, What am I doing? I'm spending even longer than I was working. Exactly. That's kind of dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, after a while, I was, I just, yeah, my zones are where they are. I'll trust, I'll let price come to me. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, and I miss something in between, I'll figure out why I miss. Mm-hmm. If the if it doesn't fit my criteria, that means it's a genuine miss and there was nothing I could do about it.
0: Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that's that's true. When, um, For example, I'm not full-time because I also do a uh, university next to this. But mm. when uh, I started with university, for example, I would spend an immense amount of time on charts. And then at, at one point, I'm like, you know, this is not really going to work out because... If I'm going to have a job, I'm going to be, you know, working pretty much the same, if not less the amount yeah. the time I'm spending on the charts. So now I spend roughly per week, I would say maybe like three, four hour tops on charts, uh, not mm. including Sundays, because on Sundays I do maybe like a couple of hour prep. But mm. uh, I because I work with pendings and uh, I just work with like zones and then of interest. And if they work, they work. And if they don't, they don't. So I I like to minimize my um, engagement, let's say, on charts because I I also am a really kind of rushy person. And when I got into trading, I I tried scalping. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, with me, my patience was also very low. And it took me a really long time, even with pendings, to calm down and not force those pendings. Like, I would move my pending up and down just because I saw it coming closer or further away.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there as well. <laughs> I can
0: imagine, you know, because you've been in this game way longer than me, I think twice the amount because this is my <laughs> fourth year. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I you've been there and it's, it's you know, it's it's a pain in the ass.
1: Yes, it is. And then you just fight your own demons shifting that line up and down and up and down and then you see just price just running away from your
0: line all exactly, the time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so now it's more like yeah spend this time on charts and if it hits it hits if it doesn't it doesn't it means institutions are doing something or that means the price was uh you know grab liquidity somewhere else and so be it you yep. know because there's there's a millions of opportunities and it, it all depends on your own perception you know yes so yeah. I, I i don't i don't fear the kind of the lack or losing something or you know missing out on something cuz you know there's always another yeah. place to recoup
1: Yes, exactly. There's no, the beauty about trading is there's no lack of opportunities. That's your it. job as a trader is to find those opportunities, the right ones, and to capitalize on it.
0: That's but it. if
1: you're going to jab at the markets all of the time and then just keep losing your capital, yeah. each time you take a wrong jab, you're going to get hit back twice as hard. And then yeah. that's going to affect your psychology and you can't take the right trade when it does appear. And it always appears.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah exactly and that's what you know separates trading from anything else is in trading you lose your own money in a nine to five you can't lose your you know uh salary you're gonna get it regardless and in, in trading it's it's you're playing with your own salary whether it can be negative or positive and you just need to learn just to calm down and you know consistent yes. capital preservation is what's going to get you to make it in this world yes. I, I reckon exactly really interesting talk i really appreciate this um you know it's really interesting to hear your insights on everything we talked about is there maybe anything you'd want to add or any tips for people out there starting out or who are on their journey based on what we talked about or anything new
1: Mm, i would say yeah I, i mean based on the couple of like recent encounters that i've had with people who are like talking to me about like learning and then the losses itself, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting behavior to me that I see that people are willing to do a trial and error with their own money, mm-hmm. trying to figure out the markets, instead of taking that same bit of money and just getting themselves educated properly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a really sad fact about trading. Mm-hmm. It's like, before you even knew everything you knew um, from your life now, right? You had to go to school. Yeah, And yes, you're kind of forced, I would say, to go to school, right? Yeah. But do you really need someone to force you when there is an opportunity to make like so much money? Mm-hmm. Nah. But I, I, that's just a sad fact. Like I'm always a strong proponent of education. Even at this current juncture, I'm always looking to like educate myself with mm-hmm. traders that are doing way better than me because there's always someone there. Yeah. So yeah, I would say constant education and yeah. be willing to invest in your education. That's the key thing.
0: That's a good point. That's a really good point because uh you you can for example learn off of baby pips i don't know if you've you've probably heard of it yeah and you can you can learn off a lot of things but really funnily enough you're gonna have to unlearn most of it if you want to be successful yeah 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 yeah, exactly like free
1: information is free for a certain reason
0: exactly like some of it is useful but the real nuggets which make the 10 percent or 5 percent the winners is is the reason you need the mentor and yeah you know, it's baffling yes. how people would take a loan to go to university and they spend a couple of hundred thousands or even just a hundred thousand on school or whatever, yep. but not dare to even put in two or three thousand into an education. Which oh, uh, tell per- me about it. <laughs> exactly. You don't even need to like. You don't even need to go into trading. You know, if you want to become, I don't know, a chef or something, you can find a mentor who is who's been there and done it instead of going to culinary school and just have like a private kind of education, yet yeah, you might yeah. even get more info out of it. Yes. Kind of in that exactly.
1: regard. So, and I think when when you're so I think people see it as they are paying someone to do it, but I think the perspective should be you are shaving off whatever time that you have spent trying yeah. to figure that out and the losses you have incurred. That's yeah. your tuition fee, to be yeah. very honest. Yeah, You just pay it to a different person called the market.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. And and I believe, you know, I think smart people and people who are really out there and successful, they understand that time is actually the only asset we want to get back. So by minimizing yes. the time spent on trying to figure out these losses, like, sure, you can spend 10 years of figuring out everything yourself, or you can spend two years with a mentor who will show you ins and outs. And yeah. Successful people know that those eight years is going to be the difference between uh, their financial freedom, for example, and mm. them uh, wasting their time. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent.
0: That's why you know businessmen outsource a lot of their um, uh, what's it called
1: minor de- minor minute Activities. details of their job. Exactly. Yes.
0: Yeah, outsourcing, you yeah. know that that goes a long way. Same with mentorships.
1: Yeah. Exactly
0: really well said I really appreciate that you know I really appreciate you uh, here on the podcast we've uh, had a really interesting conversation
1: yeah thanks for inviting me again
0: yeah it was a pleasure thank you very much Um, I'll add uh, all your links into the description essentially Uh, I'll let everybody uh, take a look I'm uh, really hopeful that people out there have learned something or taken some notes and actually uh, found this interesting and you know to me this was a really interesting episode and then on this note, thank you very much again once more. And, You're welcome. Uh, for everyone out there, there's more to come, so stay tuned, and take care, and goodbye.